Welcome to Real Life Talk, and we've got back with us Charlie Kirk. It is amazing. And Charlie, we love you. Thank you. And um, the last time you were here, you blew the building up. Love it was incredible. Thank you. And um, you, I told you, I said this to you before, I'm going to say it again, because it's even more true. You are a treasure. You are a national treasure. And um, I'm really happy about tonight and what's taking place, because my granddaughter is here, and I told her, if Jesus doesn't come back soon... Uh, you could meet your your president, oh, Charlie geez, Kirk. It's put, possible. Put more pressure on me before I speak tonight. That would be... Yeah, just a little bit. Hey, listen, today's a very epic day for us in California. Mm -hmm. I mean to tell you, it's a historic day because President Trump is here right now. Mm -hmm. And about two hours ago, he just got done speaking in Bakersfield. And uh, forever, California has been raped of having its water enjoyed and used for farming and everything else because the possibility, Charlie, of a little fish that possibly could go extinct if we messed around with the, the runoff of the water. So the water would have to go out to sea. Mm -hmm. And for years, every season, we've been dumping water into the ocean. And today, Trump came to town. And he had farmers come up and share their plight and their drama. And it was amazing, but they were all filled with hope. They were filled yeah. with excitement. Great rally. And he signed into action the releasing of the water to California farmers. Well, isn't it amazing how hard the left will fight for a fish, but they won't fight for the unborn? Yeah, exactly right. I mean, they're more worried about a fish that might be harmed when some water supply might be actually correctly appropriated so human beings can flourish. You know, I, I want to stay on topic about California, but maybe this is I, on I topic. Think it's, I think it's, it's on topic. How about this? Monday, on Monday, I was with DHS and uh, Homeland Security, and I toured the border wall, mm -hmm. the new facilities and the old facilities, which is remarkable. The old facilities is under, those were built under uh, George Bush and Barack Obama. You know, the famous cages. Mm -hmm. They're gone. New facilities built by Trump, they're there. The agents told us we've got everything we need. Mm -hmm. And they took us to, in fact, we went miles. We drove 45 minutes down the wall, or I should say the fence. And you know what was an interesting thing? Is forever there's the Tijuana River that comes out of Mexico and flows into the U.S. and then into uh, the Pacific. And we have had to put up barriers because of all the plastic mm -hmm. trash. And uh, the Democrats got all upset about that, that we shouldn't be tampering with the environment. But uh, our state, somebody, somebody put up barriers and all the plastic is there that would have normally gone into the sea. You're in a state, I don't know if you know this or not, Charlie, but this state, you have got to request a straw when you get a Coke because they're so dangerous. That's the legislation that we have, but we turn around and we want to get upset at border protection mm -hmm. and border enforcement. And and yet the good guys stepped up and held back the plastics from flowing into the sea. The Democrats didn't want anything to do with that stuff. We live in a state that's upside down. No doubt. But there's hope today. Tell us about some of the experiences you've had on California universities. Well, look, I, I think there is hope. I mean, I, I visited UCLA, UC Berkeley, Stanford, and lived to tell about it all within one <laughs> yeah. semester. Um, look, California is a test case in leftism, where leftism actually becomes the religion. And I mean, if the left proselytized and evangelized individuals in California much more aggressively than I would say the church even did in the yeah. political sphere over the last 20 or 30 years, and look at the result. That's right. You have a state that is bankrupt, overrun by foreign nationals. Uh, you can't even get water where it needs to go, you know, right. so the farmers can be able to produce correctly. 
And so look, here, here's the question though, is how do you turn this around? I mean, you need definitive leadership that President Trump is delivering right. and you need the church to be reawakened. And I said, if many times if America had a thousand Jack Hibbs, the America would be in a great place because I can't tell you how many weak pastors I come in contact with, weak pastors that go up and they'll say, well, yeah, we need to be unashamed and not worry what other people care, you know, say about us with the gospel. <laughs> and this beautiful sermon, I agree with every word of it. Right. And then as soon as I ask them, I say, you know, hey, what's your position on life? What's your position on marriage? What's your position on the rise right. of Marxism? They say, well, I don't want to offend my congregants. I don't want to get into that. I said, didn't you just give it? 90 minute, you know, sermon with, you know, fire and brimstone, you know, you just stood up on a chair, I think, you know, they do all sorts of things about how we're not supposed to care about what other people think. And uh, now all of a sudden, but the thing you can't talk about is the thing that actually impacts everyone. The most important thing in the world is accepting Jesus Christ as King and Lord and Savior. The second most important thing is making sure you can do the first thing. Yeah, absolutely. And yet how many pastors don't even get involved? Number two. And of all things, we've got pastors criticizing, uh, Trump's past life, his past escapades. And I love what I heard uh, Monday. A pastor asked the question down at the border. Uh, You know, you invited us down here, and yet, uh, you know, everything's being talked about Trump, but Trump's immoral. And I was shocked that a pastor would say that because, first of all, according to the Bible, we all need Jesus. All of us are immoral. But the thing was, I'm not interested in Trump's past. Mm-hmm. I don't want anybody, in fact, to be interested in my past. What am I doing now? What has Trump done since he has had a worldview change and he's become president? I mean, oh my gosh, well, and the I, list of things. I would love to be able to cross-examine that pastor and say, would you take Samson out of the Hall of Fame? Samson, David, go Cyrus. down the list. Cyrus. How about King Constantine, who didn't find Christ till his deathbed, who did more for the kingdom than any secular ruler could ever possibly imagine? Look at Nebuchadnezzar. Look at the the king of Babylon, the ruler of the world. Yes. Exactly right. So this is the kind of stuff we hope through what we do. Yes. Now, you're you're battling all over the place. Yeah, if, my, my, my reach your is lane, bigger than just the churches. Right. You, you have multiple I'm lanes. passionate about the churches. First of all, I'm a Christian. It's the most important thing in my life. But I'm equally as passionate because I travel the country. I try to go to a different church every single Sunday. Yeah. I just try to I get a different flavor and taste. Right. And more churches than not are silent on the issues that are crippling our culture, yeah. are apathetic on the issues that are deconstructing our country from within. And I go up and I hear sermon after sermon that I agree with theologically about the need to be salt and light and the need right. to get involved in, in in spreading Christendom, yet silence yes, on the 3,000 abortions that right. happen in our country every single day. Right. Silence on the rise of secular humanism under the guise of Marxism. And I ask myself, if I was a leftist, mm-hmm. I would be so pleased with, right. the, with the Christian church being with, silent. With the church being apathetic as it is. It's the greatest gift to Marxists we could it's ever true. possibly imagine. Because th- as you say, Jack, and you, you're, you're so unapologetic, you're so unafraid, and you deserve so much credit for it because it is weakness that has infected the Christian church and a lack of leadership. And you pay a price for it. I'm sure you get people that there's plenty of it's, it's feedback. It's actually what they don't realize, though. And I, I think, Charlie, we've not discussed this, but I think it's the, uh, the truth for you as well. Jesus was the most loving person on the planet, but Jesus was and is the most hated person. No doubt. Go figure that one out. So if I'm going to do my Christianity right, I'm going to be loved and I'm going to be hated. The answer is, uh, for me, what kind of people are hating me? If there's a bunch of crazies that want to see 
you know, Jesus put back in the tomb and for me to keep my mouth shut and for me to have no rights to speak freedom, then I'm honored by that kind of criticism. And I think I think you probably share the same thing because you get attacked oh, no doubt. up one side and down the other. And, and you have to ask yourself, who's attacking you and what are they attacking you for? And the people that attack me are, I mean, people that think we should have more abortions in our country. The people that attack me want to have our borders completely yeah. and totally open, which is human rights crisis. Yeah. The right. people that attack me are the ones that want to take our firearms away or shred the Constitution. And secondly, when it goes back to the church, which I think is the great sleeping giant in our country it right is. now. Number one. Absolutely. I mean, it is a sleeping giant that will be a that will be the awakening will happen through the churches, That's through right. pastors that have clarity and conviction. That maybe when they start teaching seven year olds sex education, maybe then the pastors right. start to say, "Yeah, maybe we should get involved." And guess what? It's not enough. It's so ju- true. Just to continue, it's not enough just to be correct in the hills and be our own Christian. Our own our kind of Christian community, almost like yeah, monks, like in the an hills. enclave yeah. and, a, and a monastery. This is not what we're taught to do. No. It's supposed to be difficult, right? To, to as as Ephesians perfectly puts it, the full armor of God. But if you actually look at right the, 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 met, the metaphor of armor, that that requires battle. Yeah, it requires it presu- conflict. It presupposes a battle, no doubt. The entire metaphor assumes the whole hinges thing. on arrows and conflict and War. bloodshed. Right, and 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 so th- one of the verses that I always get encountered with where people that are Christian Marxists, for example, they say, well, Jesus says to love your enemies. I say, absolutely. But what is love? Yeah, exactly. Is love acceptance it's, and tolerance for everything someone does at all times? No. That's not love. That's not love. The, the greatest love I've ever been in my life is when someone takes me down and they say, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. And this is what you should be doing. Right. That to me was the greatest ministry of love in that my life. That is so absolutely true. Speak the truth and love, the scripture says. And yes. that's exactly what you're talking well, about we doing. We inflate love with unlimited tolerance for sin. And that this is where the church has gone so wrong, especially with the young Christian Marxists. They're ki- exactly. They're they say, well, Charlie, you, you're way too outspoken about abortion. We should, you should absolutely love those individuals that get abortions. You should love those individuals. You should not love abortion. Can you imagine? Imagine. Imagine someone. You know, we heard it recently. Um, uh, our good friend Tony Perkins was speaking, and he Great said, guy. if you saw someone's house on fire at 3 a.m., and you knew that there were people in that home, but you look at the watch, it's 3 a.m., should I really wake them up? You would never even think like that. You would s- jump out of your car, storm their house, grab them by the face if necessary to pull them out of the fire to save their lives. And I think at, in the 21st century, that's where the Christian community ought to be. Yes. We should be looking around at a community, at a world that's on fire and pulling people from the grip of insanity. Yeah, and look, we as Christians have grown complacent because we've been the, we've been the predominant religion and the predominant viewpoint over the last yeah. 50 or 60 years in America, especially post-World War II order. Yeah. That's changing. Yeah. Leftism and atheism are the top viewpoints and religions in America. You are talking about this upcoming election. That's what you're describing. A massive collision. A cataclysmic ide- collision. Like never before yes. in our nation. And, and, and if, if, the, if the Christian worldview, which is one of a vertical right. relationship with a creator, That's right. natural rights, if, if we lose... All of a sudden, we're going to have not impartial judges. We're going to have activist judges. Yeah. We're going to have more funding going towards abortion. We right. are going to right. have open, continual open, open borders. borders, but Second Amendment removed. So That's you correct. can't protect yourself. You, you'll you, be a citizen. You can go through the entire litany. And look, Christianity has withstood unbelievable opposition right. over the last 2,000 Absolutely. years. And young Christians in particular are not taught the bloodshed that That's went right. into the defense of the Christian That's faith right. against the siege of Constantinople for hundreds That's of right. years That's against right. 
essentially Islamist conquerors. That's absolutely and true. And the protection of the Eastern Roman Empire or King Justinian enforcing the Justinian Code. This only happened when you stood for truth and conviction and clarity. And I'm telling you, what's happening right now in America is if we can continue to activate the churches, and that's why, Jack, I have, I have appreciation for you because the weakness and the apathy among some mm. of these pastors that want to be cool— Calm, cool, and collected in their cool skinny kills. jeans. Cool is going to be. Lo- they they, they, they want to be one with the people. They want to be. Oh yeah, I want to be loved. Like you were never. You were never put into a pastor position no. to become the no, most no, no, the no. most popular person in the culture. You got to stand for truth and sometimes say things that make people uncomfortable. And Jack, when I look truth at truth, will do that. I say that's someone who cares more about standing for truth yeah. than just getting the most amount of retweets amongst you know the young hip crowd in yeah. their local community. Yeah. Yeah, Charlie, listen, we've got to cut it off. We've got, we you've going. got, I know we could, you've got some work to do tonight. So oh, boy, I hope I can live up to it. Um, he'll live up to it. You guys, listen, um, we love bringing this to you. Let us know what you think. Um, you can always go to jackhibbs.com. Remember that? Also jackhibbs.com. And um, if you're not following Charlie on either Twitter or, do you do Instagram? I, I, it's very what? funny. That's, I deleted Instagram from my phone, but I still have an Instagram feed managed yeah, by my team. Yeah, you do. Team. Great life decision if you delete Instagram. But is it? Liberated. Uh, uh, shackles off my <laughs> That is, actually, that sounds very inviting. 90 minutes a day I used to spend on Instagram. My screen time thing, I said, I'll just hold that thing down, delete it. Wow. I told my team, you're now in charge of this. Seriously, remember? I, the scriptures say, if something causes you to sin, pluck it out. Uh, I said, 90 minutes on an app. That There's no way I was doing the most for the kingdom I could be awesome. doing if I was 90 minutes on a single application. That's awesome. And what he's doing with his tweets is he's... he's I still have Twitter, though. Yeah. The way you're posting, it's unique. And, and I notice people are copying you. That's fine. And of course, it's fine. It's flattery. What, you're doing an amazing job. You guys, we love Charlie Kirk. Um, he's going to be hitting home runs here tonight. No pressure. But um, anyway, next time on uh, Real Life Talk with you guys, Charlie, love you. Thanks for being here. Awesome.